Let the joyous news be spread. The wicked old witch at last is dead. A special edition, you want to call it that, of the Charge Buffalo podcast, second of the week. I'm Luke. This is Joe with me as well. And this is the first episode of the post Ralph Kruger era. Sorry if the song at the top is cruel. It wasn't meant to be. Don't take it literally, okay? The witch is gone. The witch is gone. Ralph Kruger is gone. And. Don Granado will be taking over for the foreseeable, not foreseeable future, the time being, perhaps till the end of the year. And well, where do we go from here, right? <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah. Well, uh, at least there's a little hope now. You know, like you woke up this morning and, you know, it's today's a good day. I'm not tweeting it's a good day to fire Ralph Kruger today because he's already gone, but you should nice. tweet. There's it's a, a little glimmer of hope now. Just a little glimmer of hope. You should tweet, it's a great day because Ralph Kruger was fired. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, hey, you know what's funny? The old trend pops up. Remember, whenever we put out a show, something big happens. I was going to say this mm-hmm. the other day when we recorded. I'm like, okay, Kruger's probably going to get fired tomorrow because yep. we're recording. But yep. it happened, you know, and that's okay. That's yeah. That's fine. Yes, I thought this was funny. I saw Howard Simon tweet that there's a new category for WGR where whenever Jeremy White has a kid, uh, <laughs> something big or a Sabres coach gets fired. I thought that was funny. But uh, yeah. Very true. A, a new era, question mark? <laughs> uh, yeah, you could say so. I mean, why not? All right. Don right. Granado. I don't know a lot about Don Granado, but... I mean, I'm okay with it. Obviously, they're not gonna like they're not gonna bring in a guy like Bruce Boudreau right now. No, because like they want to get it right. They want to do their due diligence and interview all of these guys. Got to give him. And Boudreau's not gonna come in here to be the interim coach. No. That's obvious. And I really wanted Bruce Bruce Boudreau, but after thinking about it for a little bit, oh. You're turning a corner? No, I'm not. I, I still want him, but I want them to get this one right. And Adam said yesterday in his Zoom call, he wants to get it right. The organization has to get this one right. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some guys on other teams that are on expiring deals that might not extend, like John Tortorella. I'm not saying that I want him, but Tortorella, Rod Brindamore, Travis Green. There's going to be guy, more guys available. But you need to bat it's like a balancing act, you know. Do you want to go get one of those three guys, Julian, who I don't want, uh, Boudreaux, Gallant now because the only teams with a coaching vacancy are the Sabres, technically the Canadians, because uh Ducharme is interim as well, but also Seattle too. So do you want to go get one of those guys while they're available now, or do you, are you going to wait until the off season when presumably more coaches are fired and there's more 
more demand for coaches and see the Sabres job becomes less more attractive at that point. See, I want to, I want to see it wait until the off season, because I think what happened last time is we were caught in a Sabres were caught in a scenario where there was no good coach. You fired Housley and there was no good coaches to choose from. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like, it's like, cutting your quarterback in the NFL and there's only backups <laughs> on the free agent market and not a good QB class. But uh, of course we could have got Elaine Vigneault, but, um, and obviously, you know, we couldn't really wait with Housley. So it was a unique situation. Well, you, I was thinking about this yesterday, the Sabres, it was, it was basically, it was Housley or uh, what the heck? The Coyotes coach. I forget his name. Tockett? Uh, yeah, Rick Tockett. I remember word coming out that Botterill didn't even interview Tockett because he knew him so well from Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was interesting because obviously you would think that Tockett would have been a much better option than Housley given the little degree of success that he has had in Arizona for the past few years. Right. But uh, no, I think the, the benefits of waiting for this offseason is that there's going to be, like you said, a good selection of guys. Listen, I'm critical of Torts. Obviously, he has his flaws. And I'm going to sign like a suburban hockey dad. But like this team needs a kick in the ass. Does it not? If you're going to bring that, you can't you can't turn around this entire roster in one year, but you can turn around the mindset and you can bring in a guy who's going to hold the perceived lazy players accountable, right? Like you don't yeah. like Kogan's effort. You don't like the defensive effort. Torts is not afraid to address that. And uh, I mean, of course he clashes with, uh, with his, his stars. Nobody That's what that. I'm worried about. That's I'm worried, I'm about, worried like, about. Yes. Sam Reinhardt being stapled to the bench for two periods. Like he's doing with line a and Dubois. That's what I'm worried about. But the thing is here, you hear Elliot Friedman going on the radio talking about how, uh, not Bob Earl, Adams is coming up with essentially two plans, an Eichel future and a non-Eichel future. I think this the coach selection here has a lot to do with, it, it'll be very telling what plan they're going with. Because if you're bringing in a Bruce Boudreaux or a Gerard Gallant, you're probably keeping Jack Eichel and you're going for it. If you're bringing in a Nate Lehman or if they're like, Oh, you know what? Uh, Granado's okay. We'll go with him. <laughs> then oh, you're probably trading Jack me. Eichel and Sam Reinhardt. Mm -hmm. So I think the coaching decision is, will be very telling on what their direct, the direction that, that they're going in. This whole men business, though, just smells so much to me of what happened with Housley and Kruger, where everyone's getting all excited about him. He has no NHL experience as a head coach, and then he comes in and flops. Yeah. I, I, I don't want a college coach. I don't want anyone who hasn't had NHL experience as a head coach. We need to bring in a, a, a veteran who can steer this ship and uh, just, you know, the uh, I don't want to use the word accountability, but can actually connect with his team and be and utilize their strengths, you know, play to your player's yeah. strengths. Don't 
hold them to a system that they all have to play to. Well, I think that's the main problem here with that was the death sentence for Kruger, his inability to adapt. The principles. Yeah. Obviously, the system wasn't working. The principles were not working. He didn't have the players on his team to have a successful team and win games with that system. And a successful coach and a leader would adapt and change the system to benefit the players that he has on his team. And Kruger just did not do that. How many games total did Ralph Kruger get as Sabres coach? We're, what, 30 games in this year? How many games did he get last year? Like 60, 65, something like that? Uh, uh, 68, maybe? 60, yeah, something like that. But he basically 100 games mm-hmm. with Kruger and how much success did he have here? Well, is it nine regulation wins in like the last 50 games? It's just not good enough. Like, it's we're being a dead horse at this point. The guy sucked. He wasn't a good coach. And obviously, you know, Kruger's probably a nice guy. I'd, I'd, maybe he'd be nice to have a beer with sometime, but like, it was way overdue. Way, way, way overdue. And like I said at the top of the podcast here, it feels like there's hope that they can maybe right the ship. Yes. Steve Smith and, is gone as well. Yeah, too. Steve Smith is gone. That. And I think that's just as big of an impact as Kruger being gone because mm-hmm. you're a young defenseman. Darlene and Yoki Haru have taken massive steps back again this year and you need them to be good. <laughs> that's plain and simple. You know, I can't believe they'd, go with Don Granado given his health history. Like, you know, you have him up in the press box. Already. He's been back behind the bench. He has. Okay. Though. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. Well, I see. I, I just thought about that when we came on here. Uh, like if that was, it's good that he's, he's uh, that the concerns have gone to the wayside now, but uh, you no, know, that could have been something that I thought maybe they considered. Yeah. Uh, also worth noting, Ellis and Matt Ellis and Dan Girardi go behind the benches. I, you can probably call them interim assistant coaches as well. But I, I like that because they're they're younger. They're not they're not young by any means, but they're younger. They played coaches. recently. They played, played recently. in the modern league. Right? Girardi has played a couple years ago, so I, I've heard some people speculate maybe he's going to be able to relate better to Darlene and Yoki Haru than Steve Smith was able to someone who hasn't played in 20 years, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe there are some, there's some hope. I correct. What I'm really hoping for out of the rest of the season is to see growth out of middle stat Bryson. If Borgen comes back, I want to see growth out of him. I want to see who, is worth keeping going forward because obviously there's a lot of work to do still for Kevin Adams. And it sounds like he has the green light to do whatever he wants. He, he went down to Boca Raton to talk to the Pagulas and they were like, okay, you know what, do what you got to do. It's no longer the Ralph Kruger show where he gives him a list of players that he wants and like, okay, go get them. Now it can be Kevin Adams team. And that's important. Something we talked about couple days ago on the last episode hopefully he can execute his plan he's going to bring in an assistant gm it sounds like it's going to be jason carmanos former pittsburgh penguins assistant gm with jim rutherford i speculated yesterday 
I don't know if you saw the tweet. Maybe they're going to try and bring in the Carolina Hurricanes Boys Club here. Oh, Adams yeah. won a cup with Carolina. Carmanos. Rod Brindamore is available Rod next Brindamore year. Rod Brindamore could be available. And you know who else is available? Jim Rutherford. And you keep hearing insiders like Pierre Lebron, uh, Elliot Friedman as well, talking about, hey, maybe they need to go that route, senior advisor, present hockey operations. Jim Rutherford fits the bill for that. So I speculated that on Twitter yesterday. I don't know anything. I just want to say that I don't know anything, but maybe they're going to go that route, bring in all those Carolina guys. They just need to get guys in the office, right? They need experienced hockey people in that front office. Yeah, they need credibility. Like we said, they need credibility in their organization. Exactly. Rod Brindamore has won in Carolina. They, They almost went to the Stanley Cup final. Did they? They did go to the Stanley Cup final, didn't they? No. They, they definitely won. went to the conference final. Well, in 06, he won as a player, but yeah. uh, two Recently. years ago against the Bruins, they went to the conference final. Yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking of. Again, when the Bruins faced the, the Blues. <clears throat> yeah, so I think I think Brindamore would be a good option. I, I'm kind of on the fence, though, because he doesn't like Jeff Skinner, and I think a very crucial part of the new selection at coach is someone who can work with Jeff Skinner and get him going again. God, you know, just a quick sidebar. Now that you bring up that Hurricanes run from a few years ago, I just, I, I, I really hope that fans are in the arenas at some capacity for the playoffs. Because just thinking about be. the Hurricanes fans during that run. Just, As the vaccine rolls yeah. out, I think you'll start to see more. Speaking of the vaccine, I got mine yeah. today. I oh, got good. Microchipped. Good. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, hmm. Any pinging in your ears? No, no uh, pinging in my ears, but... Um, yeah. Hmm. I have the sudden urge to go purchase Microsoft Office. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, hey. just just kidding. Nice. But well, see, uh, I want I the... Have the chills and uh, my glands hurt underneath my neck. But which you know, vaccine did you get? Pfizer. See, that's why I advise getting the Moderna one because it makes you want to use Google Docs, and that's free. <laughs> but... True. Okay. okay anyway. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> what were we on about again? Uh, Rod Brindamore. Right. Yeah. yeah, he he seems like a good option for coach. I would be happy with most of the experienced coaches. Just I don't want. And this has been talked about as well. I don't value NHL experience. I value like a track record of success. And that's Brindamore. That's Boudreaux. Julian to a certain extent. And I don't really like the style of play that he would probably in- implement. I feel like Gerard Julian. Gallant, you know, Julian, like those guys. Julian would be too uh, old-fashioned, too old head. You know what yeah. I mean? It's um, I say here and I say I want you know one of those guys, but he just seems like more of the same, as in like you know uh, tough love kind of guy. I want an offensive coach like right. Boudreaux. That's what I want. Bring in a guy that's going to help this team score goals because they haven't been able to score goals in a decade, and that's just not good enough. And I think the teams recently that Claude Julien has had have not been known for their offense. Even the cup team with the Bruins, right? He was a coach in 2011. Yeah, I think so. I believe when they won the Stanley Cup, they were a bruising type. They didn't really have any goal scorers from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, got by in their defense. But, uh, I mean, yeah, even a guy. other who, guys that are available. Mike Yo. Uh, no. What the heck? Glenn uh, Dulletson. Like, those, like that, those guys, no. Like, let's get in a real coach here. 
mm-hmm. someone who has a proven track record of success and, and, can, I agree and credibility say, the organization. I agree with what you say about track record, record of success, but um, I just think, you know, a veteran guy like that too, like, like a, like a Boudreaux uh, or like where some of the other um, veteran names that are out there that aren't clicking for me. Cause I'm under pressure to, Say this, I don't know. Michelle Terrian, like <laughs> yeah, those like guys Michelle like Terrian. No, no way. Like yeah, but like those guys, they could probably uh, you know get your organization on the right track and just you know get get a little bit of a mojo going, perhaps. And like those are the said, guys well, that you bring in to be assistants. Yeah, but a little bit of credibility. Um, but see, the thing of Brindamore, I'd love to have him, but the like the only coach I can remember offhand who willingly walked away from their job was Trotz. Yeah. After he won the cup with the Capitals. So I just, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, if he'd be willing to leave. The Hurricanes have been improving every year. Hurricanes They're... don't like to pay. That's the thing. That's and Brindamore is a coach who has proven ever since taking over in Carolina as the head coach. He has done well and he's going to probably command market value. And I don't think the Hurricanes are going to want to pay the market value. Well, the Sabres want to pay market value. That's another question. So. Mm-hmm. And but I know that's, I those are the, I'm connecting the dots here because if they bring in Carmanos and they decide they want to go with the senior advisor route, Rutherford makes sense because there is a relationship there between Carmanos and Adams from Carolina and Pittsburgh for Carmanos. And if that happens, if Brindamore becomes available, then you have more connections. So that's just something that I am theorizing here. That's right. I mean, see, we're uh, we're we're tracing the uh, the footprints. Yes, contact tracing. Uh, right, contact. Con- yeah, very on topic. We're contact. <laughs> um, but no, I'm looking forward. Of course, the question of the game today is up in the air, right? It's gonna happen. That game yeah, it played, sounds like right? it's gonna happen. Because I wonder uh, if Seth Appert is the one who has COVID because there's a there was a COVID outbreak with the Amherst in the Amherst I, right. I was kind of confused as to why they would be bringing him up here to coach and while well, Dan Girardi's in quarantine right but of course uh, most people know by now the dude's getting out there but uh Sabres and Bruins both have staff members who have I think the, the Bruins is a player right oh I I hadn't seen who was a player uh I saw I thought just a staff member. I'd have to double check that. But uh, either way, two people in the organization on each side, respectively, uh, are in protocol. So the game is up in the air. I mean, I think wouldn't it be wouldn't it be smart just to postpone it out of an abundance of caution, as they say? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But I mean, there are the rapid tests and whatnot. Um, but those are, I mean, it's been known those are less reliable. But uh, they're probably gonna see how it plays out throughout the day. Do you think they test everybody again? I would hope so. Yeah. If they if they're doing the rapid tests now, I don't see why they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So we'll see if it gets played. Uh, plus, I mean, what if the return of the fans has to be delayed as well? If there's Jeez, another talk about a gut punch. All those fans that bought tickets for <laughs> for the game. Just a steps. For some reason, my mind keeps going to Sam Reinhart. And just imagine being Sam Reinhart. You're you're playing the best hockey of anyone on this team. Y- you know, you 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 must feel like I don't know what's a good analogy. I mean, just you're amongst this group of guys 
who can't play. You're the only one uh, scoring, playing good hockey. You're 25 years old. You know, you're trying to get another contract or maybe get traded. And Probably you know, you, you, you've been through all of this this year. You've, there's been a pause, uh, a 12 game losing streak now. And you're just like, man, you know, I'm really hitting my stride. There's a lot going on for me this year. You know, my future is at stake. And now another pause in the middle of a 12 game losing streak. I just feel bad for the good, for the good players, you know, that are yeah. going to have their. Uh, I feel bad for Sam Reinhardt. Speaking of him, like the guy's a really good hockey player and he's just been stuck here. And as we talk about the future of the team, the with Eichel plan, the without Eichel plan, that, uh, that Elliot Friedman has been mentioning for the past week or two is Reinhardt a part of the the no Eichel plan does he does that plan mean that he goes too I and if they do trade Eichel why would Reinhardt want to stay that's what I want to know right but I could see them giving Reinhardt captaincy if if Eichel is gone yeah and maybe that gets him to stay Maybe I, if not, I'm if I'm Sam Reinhardt, either way, I would want out because he's twenty, like you said, 24, 25 years old. I want to go win if I'm him. And if they do trade Jack Eichel, they're not they're not winning with him. How are they going to win without him? Right. It's going to be at least another two two seasons without playoffs where they're going to be picking at the top of the draft. Although, pretty good drafts on the horizon. You've seen the the clips of the Connor Bedard goals recently. I've seen your feed. I've seen your feed. You, <laughs> you're always so. It's gonna it's gonna be a tough decision because obviously, as a Sabres fan, those that don't hate Jack Eichel that aren't suburban hockey dads, you want Jack Eichel to stay and you want them to win with him. But at this point, do you think it's possible? Well, yeah, maybe they bring in a new coach. Maybe the new coach wins, but let's be real here. They're, this team, like we said last time, has many layers of issues from top to bottom. They are a, they're not just one onion. They're a pound of onions. They're a whole yeah. mesh bag. You got to peel back those layers. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they're starting to look in the mirror and admit, okay, maybe we were wrong. Maybe we need to have some people around Kevin Adams, who was a first time GM in a pandemic where money's not really available and teams aren't really looking to make trades. Contracts are all different. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Let's like, give him some help. Maybe they're going to go look to add some scouts as well because they don't have any of those. Yeah. <laughs> what, how many, how many scouts do they like, how many do you think they actually have? Like, on staff. I'm going to go on a limb and say they probably have like six or seven. I was going to say over under six. What would you take? Would you take the over the under? I'm going to go under. I think I'd go under. I yeah. th- like, but no, okay. Obviously, just back to the Eichel thing, there's a difference between wanting him gone. You know, there's the crowd that want him gone, and those are the insane people. The people and then think there's he's the a other. Problem. Right. And then there's the other that thinks it's just inevitable right they see yeah. the truth they're being realistic and that's why they want him gone they don't necessarily you know they don't want him gone in the sense just 
They know it's coming, so let's get it done sooner or later. And maybe they don't want to see his career wasted either. So, you know, delineating uh, these two sides, uh, you know, there's just remember that in the discourse, there's people on one side, there's people on this side. There's those that just see the writing on the wall and those that are my yeah, son exactly. yell at the referees at their son's hockey practice. <laughs> they have 15 months to figure this out. Mm-hmm. His no move kicks in, I believe, July 1st, 2022. And if you haven't figured it out by then, trade him for the best offer. You're going to get that 10 team list. And you don't want that 10 team list. You don't want Jack Eichel to say, trade me to the Bruins, Rangers, or Canadians, because ideally you send him out West for, but this is another thing. Do you just take the best offers? Say the Bruins or Canadians. Let's say the Canadians give you the best offer for Jack Eichel. Do you trade him to the Canadians or do you trade him to the Sharks or Ducks? And the Ducks are giving you a little bit less. Do you the, want to deal with Jack you Eichel take the six best times offer. a year? Yeah. I, 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 mean, I, I mean, believe that too. The team deals with Austin Matthews five times a year. There's a lot of good players in the division. Right, that mm-hmm. you're going to deal with anyway. But you have to deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning True. six or seven times a year. It's probably going to be more from Batman's comments if they increase division play after the pandemic. But uh, to me, it, it's it's not like football. You know, it's not like you're trading a quarterback within the division and yeah. you know, like there's there's 18 guys on every team in your division. You know, uh, there's there's ways to counteract it. You got to do what's best for the organization. And I don't care. I don't care if you're trading him. Uh, I don't care if it's Montreal, right? Cause you're taking stuff for them too. Montreal does right? have some nice pieces. Give, like give you me get, like, Nick Suzuki, Suzuki in that trade. Yeah. Romanov. Uh, give me a first, you know, they have some really good pieces there. I don't know why they can't get together, but yeah, I, I see. I wouldn't want him to go to Toronto or Boston just cause that's, that feels more like a slap in the face because there are rivals. Yeah, I Toronto's don't think Montreal... not happening. I think Boston. No, I'm just might try. I, I mean... Boston could try, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think they really have like the Sorry, high that end was pieces. me. Uh, that was my not fleshed out thoughts coming in. I was looking for examples, like you know, like there's teams like Toronto is just an example, like you know, yeah. equating them to Boston. Like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Him in one of their jerseys would be insulting, but like you know, Montreal would be. They're not as big as uh, they used to be. If you want to stay on the division topic, you know, or within the conference, but. This sucks talking about this. Could you imagine like six years ago, we'd be talking about trading Jack Eichel in 2021. Come on. You know what I was thinking about earlier today, though? I have like, I have an Eichel poster on my wall. I have an Eichel pennant right behind me. I have a couple Eichel action figures, but those will stay. Uh, but if he is traded, that'll open up some space in my wall. And I could, you know, I could put some bookshelves yeah. up. That's more room for displaying stuff. So, I mean, got to listen. I have pick like your, eight pick Jack your Eichel jerseys. I have like eight Jack Eichel jerseys. I, keep those. I just bought a brand new Royal Blue Eichel jersey. Mm-hmm. I've only worn it once. After, like, around the COVID pause, I haven't worn a Sabres jersey since then. I usually, when I turn the game on, I'll 
throw on one of my jerseys. I'd like to get a nice rotation in. Like mm-hmm. Kevin Adams was talking about yesterday, how the players need to have a pride to, when they put on that Buffalo Sabres jersey. I I don't even do it anymore. And I like I just don't care anymore. Like I'll it's think hard. about it. Like I'll be leaving to go watch the game and I'll walk past my closet and I'll look at my 20 Sabres jerseys that are just sitting in there. And I'll just be like, oh, I wonder which one I want to wear. And then I pick out one and I'm like, ah, no, I'm okay. I'll just well I'll just throw on a hoodie. See, maybe because you do need players that want to turn around the team's fortunes right you need a coach i mean like wants to turn around the you need a like, coach clearly adams i i like listening to him because he says all the right things mm-hmm. he the i like listen he's how do i say this you could always tell botterell was full of crap tim murray was just enamoring to listen to because we were brainwashed and i've hated listening to all of the posts lindy rough coaches so i like listening to adams he seems genuine he seems like he is taking pride in hopefully turning this around but is he up for the job that's the only issue that i'm still weighing here when it comes to kevin adams and that's that's totally fair i mean it only has been has even been a year yet Mm, we're getting there i think it was like may or june Man, it's just like it was like right, so much right after return to play. Like right so when much that has, was announced. So much has happened this past year that I can't believe Jason Bottrell was the general manager last season. It that mm. seems like forever ago. I that seems like I a wonder how era. I was thinking about this too. If they didn't fire Botterill, I he probably would have been fired this week as well right. with Kruger mm-hmm. and then they would have had like Sexton would probably be the interim GM as well so yeah I don't know this is this is tough this is really really tough and we talked about the post Eichel era plan if you will that obviously is okay you trade Jack Eichel for like four high end four or five high end pieces you probably trade Sam Reinhardt, but what does a future with Eichel look like in the next two to three years? If they do convince him to be like, Hey, you know what? Let's let's, we, we got this. What does that look like? How do they turn this around in two years within two years where they're competing or in a playoff spot next season? And see, like, even after, if you get to that point, okay, how old, how old is Eichel now? Is he, uh, 24. I think like was 20, 24 right now. Okay. Let's yeah. say, you know, you finally get to that point in three years when he's 27, you're going to have the year where, you know, Oh, they're promising. They finally made the playoffs, but then, you know, out in the first round, then he's 28 and the window is kind of getting smaller. You know what I mean? It yeah. starts to become like, like Jamie Ben, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, he's <laughs> star of this team, but, uh, you know, how big is this window now where, you know, he's still young, but he's aging, right? It's not like Sidney Crosby where you won right away with him. You're getting, you know, it's, it's pretty much like starting what should have been done years ago, 
but with a player that is uh, six years, nine years older from when he's drafted. You get what I'm saying? I might not be yeah. articulating it well, mm-hmm. but right, it's going to take time to get to that point. And by the time you're there and you have to get over the, the humps of becoming a winning team, just like the Lightning did, right? I mean, it took them a while to finally get over the hump and get to the cup again. Uh, Eichel's going to be older. You know, you can kind of compare the the keep Eichel plan to the Tampa Bay Lightning because you didn't see them mm-hmm. go out and trade Steven Stamkos in 2013 when they took a step back. Although the Lightning did take one step forward after getting Hedman and Stamkos. They, didn't they go to the Eastern Conference Final one year? They might have been against Pittsburgh. I don't remember. Against Boston in 2011. Boston. Yeah, and they had been brutal. They had been brutal the years before that, and then they – yeah, that was one of my favorite runs because they went to game seven too. Yeah. And so then the, the year after they were picking the in the top 10 and then the top five the year after that. So mm-hmm. it was one of those aberrations. Yeah. Just like it's those not weird impossible runs. to the point where there is a future with Eichel. I just don't see it, but I don't think it's impossible. Like, yeah, they can go call Anaheim like we referenced last week and be like, okay, here's our third overall pick here's jack quinn here's henry okiharu give us john gibson now you got the best goalie in the world now you can shore up your defense you maybe not you don't even have to because maybe with a new coach and a better system the defense can play better okay go get another top six forward and then maybe you're knocking on the door mm-hmm. but what if that doesn't work <laughs> right and see i hope i really hope i articulated my point well enough because it's something that's been on my mind for a while you know, is like you're this far into his career and you're not even winning yet. You still have to, (laughs) right, right. You haven't won yet. So, you know, like once you get to that point, finally, there's going to be so much more to overcome. And, you know, like, like what's going to be the point if he's 30 years old, when you finally establish a, a really good team. Yeah. I just hope I got that. Leaving the Island. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's tough. It's it's just tough. Uh, you see some glimmer of hope that there's a plan now because apparently Kevin Adams has a plan. He's got two. But that's good to hear. Execute. And is he able to execute it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think the good thing, though, is that the good thing about him being one of their guys, like one of the boys club, if you will, is that he's going to have time. And no GM before him with the Bagulas as, as owners have had enough time. I mean, even Darcy Regeer, Darcy Regeer was fired two years after the Bagulas took over. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he? Yeah, it might have been like two and a half. Close yeah, enough. two and a half. Um, but still, he he's fallen into that same time frame that all the other GMs have gotten since then. I so think I think the good I... thing is. Sorry. Go ahead. For, well, just real quick, for better or worse. They're going to let Adams see this through, even if that takes six years. I really do believe that. I don't because they have their their they have their loyal guy, they have their figurehead in charge, right? So there's going to be consistency now, and the plan isn't going to be wiped off the board by someone else who's coming in and just disrupting anything, everything. Yeah, I think you're bang on there. Uh Adams, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't think he I think he's gonna be here for like at least four or five years he's going to be able to see his vision go through unless he trades Eichel for like the 27th overall pick uh 
bum prospects like Tage Thompson and then some other eh, pieces like then maybe he gets fired but I don't know I feel like I with his relationship with the Pagulas, I don't see how he gets let go anytime soon. And I, I was going to say earlier, when you mentioned Darcy, I think he would have done a good job heading this re, the, the rebuild instead of Tim Murray. Absolutely. I know he was here I mean, for Darcy... so long. He was here for so long, but I feel like he would have done a good job. He seemed like he had the right idea. He, did really well in the Vanek trade. He did well in the Pominville trade. Mm-hmm. Now, like we mentioned in the last episode, how you make a good decision like that, and then it backfires with the draft picks and then the other trades that branch off from it. And Darcy was like, he had that that vision, right? Uh, I mean, oh three oh four, he saw what was coming. Uh, you know, the cap crisis that was coming up after the lockout and he built the team with young, fast, cheap guys. Right. And like he had that, uh, he could think this out, things out. I mean, he was here for seven years before that even. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, and plus like you think, you know, why do guys like, like, like David Poyle, uh, Jim Rutherford, guys who have been around forever, like, you know, as long as Regeer has had, why do they get like so many chances now? So many second chances, but Regeer's out of the league. Don't you think Regeer should have a shot? I mean, like Brian Burke just got back into the league. I don't think he wants to be in the league. I think he resigned when as Arizona's assistant GM. Years See, back. if that's his prerogative, maybe then it's, fine. Whatever, maybe it's on but... his terms. Mm-hmm. That's I would have liked to see. Knowing what we know now, I would have liked to see Darcy see it through at least like through like a couple more seasons. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, too, uh, just to the, the front office point, and just think about Darcy makes me think about that whole era, and we're talking about presidents, right? Remember how prominent of a face Larry Quinn was when he was here? Yeah. And that was, the, that was the president of the organization. Now, like, the only thing the Sabres have is a general manager. Mm-hmm. And the president of the team doesn't even live in Buffalo, Kim Pagula. No, I, they had to fly to Boca Raton. Yeah. Or Adams had to fly <laughs> to meet with his boss. That's just kind of sad. Can't, you can't let those people be making the decisions. And it they, sounds like it sounds like Adams has full control now. He gave him the plan, right. and hopefully he goes from here. He sounds like he got permission to get an assistant GM finally. They updated the budget so they can spend a little money to get some help there bringing some scouts this draft is crucial like you gotta get like two three players out of this it's important they gotta hit on this first round pick they're gonna get more stuff at the trade deadline you'd think right you You might get another first round pick perhaps might be a later pick but still you're gonna get some assets for this coming draft hit on those that's what they have to do. Hey, That's this the is pressure. the kind of year where the 23rd overall pick in the draft might could be the best player because just scouts haven't been able to scout good enough. For all yeah, you, you know, were... this guy in the OHL, say they pick, I'm just throwing out a random name, Francesco Pinelli from the Kingston, not the Kingston, the Kitchener That's Rangers. A great name. Say he goes like 25th <laughs> overall to the Sabres with the, the Taylor Hall first round pick that they get from, uh, let's say, 
Calgary. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got a first round pick for Calgary and the Sayers pick Francesco Pinelli. He's playing in the OHL. They haven't played yet. For all we know, if there was a normal season, he would have lit the world on fire and he would have been a top five pick. But because it was a shortened season, he goes 23rd. So there's some silver lining there. But this draft gets a lot of crap, but I think there's a lot of players that have the potential to be elite. And the Sabres are definitely going to get one of them, hopefully, if they don't go off the board. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. They they got to draft well, and I, I think it's very sad to hear that some scouts aren't seeing any Sabre representation at these games that are going on like the the college hockey games that we were watching over the weekend like stuff like that like that just can't happen video scouting is good i think it's a way of the future but you still need to get those live viewings and the sabers just aren't doing that right now oh god and especially now like you need to be watching these college games these college playoff games especially the michigan games because there's like we said in the last episode three players in johnson veneers and power that could potentially be saber prospects in a few months time yeah yeah that's just not a good look though if your guys aren't even popping up at these games like, imagine if the sabers weren't going to scout the Erie otters in 2015 right that's it's basically the same thing, right? I mean, or if in twenty fourteen the Sabers weren't watching Sam Reinhart, or they weren't like maybe they're watching him on video. These guys this year, I would hope. Yeah, they definitely are watching on video. But it for like crucial playoff games like this, you want to be in the building for that. Come on, right? Yeah, and I don't think anything's been said about you know, COVID holding them back, right? Like travel restrictions. We can't go to the games because, you know. Especially college games. There's no, like, there's nothing holding you back from going to watch a college game. You're in Mm -hmm. the States already. What's going to stop you from going to take a bus ride to Michigan? Come on. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. 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 Coach Watch. Coach Watch is underway. He said, Mm -hmm. Adam said that it starts today. So hopefully. Hopefully you we know, hear some if, names, but I don't think we're going to see any hires until the end of the season when there's more clarity. What does that entail? Available. Does he start making phone calls today, or does he start take? Does he start taking calls from representatives around the league? Like, what does he do? Know. He's there as desk to say, "Okay, today's the day. Coach watch begins." That's, they, we know what they do. They wait for the NHL to recommend people, and then they're like, "You know what." You guys have failed us so many times. We're just throwing these names out, and they don't even consider them. Yeah, that's that's another thing that really bothers me is how they're like, you know what? Hockey people have failed us. We're not going to get any hockey people. We're going to go outside the box, and we're going to show we know more than you. Yeah, I hate that. Hubris. That's hubris. Cannot stand it. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to go hire fist. Nate Lehman because he's costing us a little less, which he might not cost a little less because he's the top college coach that could be available and he will probably command a decent amount of money. Not as much as Bruce Boudreaux, but yeah. I just think a guy that is coaching kids is the very last thing that this organization needs right now. <laughs> I will <laughs> Who's the up-and-coming junior Sabres coach that they can promote? 
Adam Mayer. Adam Mayer. Mike Weber. He's Mike Brian Weber. Gianta. Yeah. Maybe Brian Gianta will be their assistant GM. Or Patrick Coletta. <laughs> He's involved at youth hockey. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I got nothing else to say about this, and I don't know if you got anything else you want to touch on before we sign off. No, nope. All nothing. right, cool. Uh, thank you all for listening. And I feel like the last podcast is still pretty relevant too. Right. So you can still check that out if you haven't that. listened to it. It's a good listen. Uh, follow Charging Buffalo on Twitter and Instagram at the Charging Buff. Follow us on Twitter as well. Joe TCB NHL LVKETCB. Follow our new prospect Instagram account at future of the 716. And uh, we'll, pro- we'll probably bring you another episode within the next couple weeks or so. Updating the game, seeing what's different with the new regime, the new coaching regime, Don Granado, Matt Ellis, and Dan Girardi. We'll see how that's going. And we'll talk some more drafts coming up as well. And we hope you enjoy. Let us know. Leave us a review, five-star review, if you're so kind. And we'll see you in the next one.